Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we'll get to Primix. The voice of a changing world. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we'll get to Prumix Wayne very shortly on the program and then catch up with Alexaha Rothroyd in California. A couple of quick comments on our chat box, which you can participate in on the website, tntradio.live. And Chris has got a little bit of advice for Glenn, who rang before, Glenn, our truckie. He says, well, write to your MP and complain. You know, it's funny. I remember way, way back way, way back when Julia Gillard, the Prime Minister of Australia, started talking about a carbon tax. And I remember that Tony Abbott was not necessarily uh, an opponent of a possible carbon tax until his office was inundated with complaints. And he'll admit that to this very day. I've heard him speak publicly about this until his office was overcome at the time with faxes, emails, phone calls, etc., uh, orchestrated by the likes of myself and others on mainstream radio, that's when he decided to stand up and oppose a carbon tax and oppose the government strenuously. It was about to get over the line. Uh, and he went ahead and took on the leadership that is against Malcolm Turnbull and won, all because the public told him what they wanted. So, yes, it's it's troubling when you can't change a government that seems to be running a country into the ground, but it can, you can change. People power does have um, the strength to change the decisions of certain politicians and in turn change the direction of the parliament. Doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. Um, and Pelly writes, the biggest issue with our political system is that the people with the least amount of votes have the biggest say in the decisions made. Well, those who end up by a fortunate configuration of statistics, and I mean literally votes, he's right. They end up having the balance of power in places like the Senate and they're the ones that get their way. Look at what happened in 2010 with Tony Windsor and Rob Oakeshott. That was how Australian, the Australian Parliament was run uh, through what they thought was the way Australia should be run on every single policy. So, Pelly, you're exactly right. Thank you so much. Um, now, I wanted to talk about Gavin Newsom. We spoke about Gavin Newsom v... Uh, Ron DeSantis in that debate last Thursday on Fox News. Well, have a listen to this. This is from Chuck Callisto, who's a, a breaking news um, fanatic from Florida on Twitter. Breaking report, he writes, California stores will now face up to $500 fines for not offering gender-neutral toy options under a new law signed by Governor Gavin Newsom. This is the woke Gavin Newsom on steroids. The target age group for children in the context of this law is defined as those 12 years old and younger. 
set to take effect on January the 1st next year, Assembly Bill 10584 stipulates that retail department stores in California failing to comply will face civil penalties ranging from $250 to $500. It's not the fine that gets up my craw. It's the fact that this is now a rule and order on retail on a retail outlet in a free market enterprise society. You are kidding, aren't you? The new legislation applies to department stores with at least 500 employees physically located within California and engaged in selling childcare items or toys. No wonder people are leaving California in droves. Under the bill, childcare items are defined as products meant to aid in sleeping, feeding, relaxation, or assisting children with sucking or teething. You see, the problem with this is the market will decide what they need in terms of certain products. If they think that there's a market for gender-neutral toys, you can bet your bottom dollar they will supply it. The market will lead with this. This is not some kind of authoritarian regime, although California gets closest uh, to an authoritarian regime in the United States. But seriously, let me repeat what's happened here. This is a law signed by Governor Gavin Newsom and stores will face $500 fines for not offering gender-neutral toy options. Stick your bib into someone else's business or even your own business, not the public's business or retail business. They will decide, the market will decide, whether gender-neutral toys should be sold in retail outlets. They'll make that decision based on customer demand. That's how a free market enterprise society works. Just infuriating, isn't it? Now, a Ukrainian soldier has told the BBC that soldiers went sent to help defend recent Ukrainian advances on the Dnipro River were so inexperienced they couldn't even swim. Now, we've detailed uh, time and time again on this program about the problems Ukraine is having in recruiting boots on the ground and how they're even getting people who are uh, beyond the age of serviceability. Uh, they're recruiting women. They're recruiting families. It's got a little bit stupid seeing that so many of their legitimate armed forces have been annihilated by the Russians. And now we've got soldiers admitting that some of the troops that they're working alongside can't even swim. The soldier, whom the BBC did not name, provided a vivid account of the obstacles facing Ukrainian forces in defending their foothold on the Russian-occupied east bank of the Dnipro in south Ukraine. The advance had been hailed as a triumph by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, isn't that a surprise, and came after weeks of stalemate in fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces near Kherson. But the soldier said Ukrainian forces were experiencing serious shortages in equipment and reinforcements as they defended their positions, which were under relentless Russian attack. Said the soldier, several brigades were supposed to be posted here, not individual companies. We just don't have enough men. There are a lot of young guys among us. We need people, but trained people, not the green ones we have there now. There are guys who'd spent just three weeks in training and only managed to shoot a few times. Everyone, he says, who wanted to volunteer for war came a long time ago. It's too hard now to tempt people with money. Now we're getting those who didn't manage to escape the draft. You'll laugh at this, he says, but some of our Marines can't even swim. 
As the war with Russia approaches its second year, Ukraine is experiencing serious manpower problems and concerns that international support for its resistance to the invasion may be beginning to fade. Not may be, it is beginning to fade, as even the Americans have said, we're running out of resources. That's the way it is when you've got a hand in two conflicts at the same time. In the wake of the invasion, thousands of Ukrainians enlisted in the military, but amid deep and steep casualty figures, these figures are believed to have dropped. Ukraine does not publish recruitment and enlistment figures. There's That's what happens when you are in an authoritarian regime. They don't give away that kind of stuff. But there you have it. They can't even swim. That's what Russia is up against, and it's not much at all. This is TNT Radio. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, I want to get to Prue McSween. I understand we're having a few technical problems with her audio. Tim, is she ready to go? She's good. Former TV and radio host, a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice Australia, founder and director at Verve Communications, the one and only Prue McSween. Welcome to TNT Radio. Matthew, you've achieved what a lot of people would love to shut me up, clearly. <laughs> Congratulations, kiddo. Yes, well done. A lot of people in your time have tried to shut you up. You were tried to be shut up on um, Celebrity Apprentice, but they didn't succeed. Nope. They tried to shut you up on radio. That didn't succeed twice. Um, they tried to shut you up on Beauty and the Beast. That never succeeded. It's hard no, to shut I you up. No, sadly, I think I talk in my sleep, mate, and I'm going to probably be talking <laughs> as they put me into the furnace, directing them about the you temperature. Know, I, 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 this is a true story. When I was a kid, uh, a very young child, my aunties at Christmas time used to hide in the house away from me because I used to give them migraines from talking all the time. I can believe it. <laughs> That's why we are where we are, kiddo. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, I've been keeping our listeners up to date on the Bruce Learman, uh defamation case. Uh, for those who need reminding from other parts of the world, he is the man accused of raping Liberal Party political staffer Brittany Higgins in a minister's office in Parliament House for which he was not convicted. He's suing Channel 10 and former host Lisa Wilkinson. Uh, there was an emphasis yesterday on the payout Higgins got from taxpayers. Uh, she got that payout even before the trial began, which is just gross. What's your reaction to what you've heard? I just am repulsed by it, I have to say. Now, we all know that uh, Lehman's uh, claimed his innocence, nothing's been proven, but Clearly, the Labor Party decided they weren't going to let the law take its course. This is a political hit job on the Liberal Party. That's plain and simple. They rushed to compensate this woman so they could be part of this whole Me Too movement. Um, the mean girls who are part of the Labor Party, Gallagher, and um, then it was also, oh God, we need Wong. Penny Wong and the other one who's since headed out, she's gone. The one, anyway, it doesn't matter. She's a forgotten woman, thank God. Christina um, Keneally. Christina Keneally, uh, yesterday's woman. And they were all stitching up 
their opposition. In this case, it was Linda Reynolds, who was uh, Brittany's boss, and of course, Macaulay Cash. And so what they decided to do was to get Morrison to F him over, as they said, in a text. And uh, of course, gave her this 2.3 million based on the fact that she was never going to get a job again for another 40 years. The woman walked out of there and got a job immediately, which yes. I found hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, 2.3 million, and this was purely to get at the Liberal Party. Yeah. They even, I mean, how, they have never uh, explained how they arrived at that figure. They stopped her bosses both Senators, Michaela Cash and Lyndon Reynolds, from even attending the compensation hearing because they didn't want to hear the truth. So this is appalling. She's now got a book deal. Uh, she's laughing. And where would they have got the reasoning behind the fact that after this trauma, she would never work again? She would never work for 40 years. Uh, who would never work ever for 40 years unless they're a, a, I don't know, a mass murderer. Exactly. I just can't imagine anybody when you could still clean toilets. You should, could yes. still get a job. Yes. You know, this is ridiculous. But the farce was that within a week or so, she got offered another job. <laughs> so, look, it's just absurdity, Smithy, that this is everything that the Labor Party does is either based on political um, uh, implications they politicized oh, the attempted the 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 allegation of rape they decided to politicize it right at the get-go this it's inf unfolding i mean it's pretty ugly the both sides have been accused of lies uh who knows what where it's going to end but you just want to go and have a shower after listening to it it's just you know on both sides it's pretty vile and then when you add to the mix this whole political implication that it's really just the Labor Party again trying to play dirty politics and this is where we're at and they're playing with the with our money. Let, let me just, for our listeners, put into context what money Brittany Higgins received. If an Australian soldier gets killed defending the country, the family gets $600,000 for losing their son or daughter. But if you claim rape in Parliament and it's untested, you get almost four times that amount. Something doesn't seem right with that. Well, it doesn't. I don't know any workplace that would operate in that way. It just wouldn't happen. But they just seem to have a set of rules for themselves. And, you know, it's not their money. They don't care. Yeah. But I'd let, I just hope that this is all in the lead up to the next election that everybody remembers this because they need to be reminded of how loose uh, and free they are with the, our money and with the truth. Yeah, very well said. I've never seen a prime minister like Anthony Albanese crash and burn so quickly in a single term in the space of 18 months. Just 18% of polled voters in the prime minister's own electorate support him. Um, we know that he's done nothing to ease the cost of living. He's rubbed it in everyone's faces by flying everywhere too often. And they failed again with illegal entrance. They seem to fail on that score quite often. He's a goner, isn't he? Totally a goner. And let's hope he's 
parties are going to too. I hope they don't just shift the chairs because I don't, I'm not impressed with any of his ministry. Um, I just think they're all amateurs. Uh, they're all liars. They're all beholden to the union movement. They're not, they don't have our interest at, at heart. Uh, uh, did you see the West Australian cover yesterday? It was a cover of the West Australian newspaper and the heading, the, the, the cover line was everything is effed. Yeah. And basically that's how Australians think about this government. Everything they touch is effed. And yeah. when you look at their policy morass, they don't have any. Um, the fact that they've ignored the cost of living crisis that people are feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, um, they're in this political paralysis where Albanese has is a pretender. He's not fit for the job. He has no leadership qualities. He's been sulking since he didn't get the voice up. His his absenteeism has been extraordinary. There's no direction, and they've got ministers on training wheels, yeah. derelict in their duty, and not helping us with the things that are top of mind. Everybody, I don't care what income you earn, everybody is hurting yep. and it's of their making too because they have spent money like drunken sailors in the wrong areas uh, you know this voice for example identity politics where he spent 450 million bucks that could go to a new school a new hospital mm. you know just giving people some cost of living relief you know take the fuel excise away there are so many things they could do and they haven't done it and it's you mentioned you mentioned his minister as Prue, I've got to take a break now, but when I come back after the break, let's talk about what Mark Dreyfus, the Attorney General, did today in a press conference, which is basically just lost it. He lost his temper. He did his block at a female journalist from Sky News. We'll talk about that after a quick break on TNT Radio. Pervoy Morich on TNT Radio. From June 2012 for BBC, Tony Blair ID cards needed to tackle illegal migrants. Uh, of course, that was 2012. Those ID cards today are is, is digital ID. And uh, Majid Nawaz, among others, he, he says, globalist surrogates pretending to be right, populist right-wing influencers against Muslims and immigration are leading you into a trap. It was these very same globalists who opened our borders as part of their plan after invading multiple countries in your name. And of course, it's the same false flag formula they're creating the problem intentionally because they have a solution that they want for us. So, you know, they got the solution, which is, you know, dystopia. Uh, and then they figure out, okay, what problems can we create to, to get where we want to go? So we want this algorithm ghetto. How do we get it? Flood in illegal migrants, get rid of law and order. And the solution is going to be the algorithm ghetto. And we're already seeing signs of that. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification. 
five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. I've got Prue McSween with me. So Attorney General Mark Dreyfus lost his temper at Sky News reporter Olivia Kaisley, declaring he would not be apologising for upholding the rule of law. Now, in a fiery exchange during a press conference on the detention laws, uh, Claire O'Neill was asked by Kaisley if the government owed an apology to people affected by the reoffending of three people released from immigration detention. Of course, they should be apologising to those families who are now allegedly victims of criminals who shouldn't have been uh, out in public in the first place, and that the government should have been prepared to lock them up as soon as the High Court made their decision. And and so Dreyfus said uh, he, he went on and just basically. Uh, didn't accept Kaisley's intervention and basically screamed at her. And I noticed that uh, Susan Lee has uh, has taken a shot at uh, the Attorney General for treating a woman like that in a press conference. It doesn't matter whether it's a woman or a man. He's a he's a minister. He's Attorney General. Just answer the question. Stop stop showing the frustration that you're feeling at your own government's inadequacies. Right, uh, exactly right. He's inept. He, this government, because they panicked, a they hadn't prepared legislation in the in case the findings of the High Court were as they became. Uh, they were asleep at the wheel. They were caught in the headlights. They did policy on the run, which was not good enough. So we had to have the opposition step in to guide them. And he's under pressure. And of course, then we find out that they only had it only applied to the one guy, the one yeah. litigant. So yeah. they let everybody out because they panic, because they're so inept. And this is why the man's exploded, because he knows he's stuffed up big time and he's trying to be defensive. And as a typical bully, he's gone out on the attack. But we can see right through it. The man is inept. He proved that during the voice. Uh the bloke shouldn't be in the job, but then again, none of those ministers should be in the job. Yeah. His behaviour today will be marked down badly. It'll be highlighted on news at six o'clock right around the country. It will not um, augur well for the Labor government. Now, all the smart economists, Prue, are saying that massive immigration intake forces inflation up, and that's certainly the case in Australia. We're running against the trend in the UK and the US where inflation is now on a downward trajectory. In fact, this week, the UK has just announced a halving in migration. Now, no doubt there's political considerations there because the pressure is on the government at the moment, the Tory government, who may not win next year, to do something about the things that the uh, population is screaming about. But Labor in Australia needs to learn a lesson about what's happening in the UK, don't they? Sure do. I mean, the problem is, and it's happened in the UK and it's happening here, that the Labor, the migrants we've brought in, some are skilled, but a lot aren't. They don't even have English. So how the hell are they going to work and contribute? So yeah. we've got, we've introduced the wrong 
migrants. Yeah. The fact is we because we have not um, invested enough in training programs for nurses and aged care staff, et cetera, we're having to bring people in who will work in those jobs and have had some experience in them, let alone the, you know, the fruit pickers, et cetera, because Australians are paid not to work in this country, as we know, a million of them sitting at home watching television and, you know, putting their hand out each week. And we have not said enough's enough, we're stopping the doll after three months. And that's what we should be doing. So we have this situation, and it's the same in the UK. But I think that also the government's tone deaf to the fact that the people in UK and the people in Australia are getting very alarmed by the thousands of protesters, of pro-Palestinian protesters, who are showing how many tens of thousands of Muslims have come to that country now and the imbalance between the Christian values and what they believe their culture should be and what uh, the uh, the UK people feel. And I think, you know, what we have to worry about is there's alarm about that now, the imbalance where people with Christian values feel they're being marginalised. And I think that is one of the root problems that's in UK and I think it's starting to happen here. People are alarmed by the migration levels because we can't buy houses, we can't rent. Uh, you know, in certain areas it's hard to get a job. Uh, university students are needed because the universities rely on, on the income from them. But I also think that there's great alarm and, and disquiet about who is actually coming here. And I think that's a part of the problem. And I think, you know, Labor Party in UK have identified that this is the problem and they're trying to win some votes out of it, even though a lot of their constituents are Muslim. Uh one of my business partners is actually uh, housing a few backpackers in his uh, apartment at the moment, and he was talking to me this morning, and they were very vocal to him about the fact that when they came here three months ago, there were jobs everywhere. They would turn up, uh, ring their uh, recruitment uh, firm in the city, and there would be jobs everywhere for them to attend to, and they took them uh, on a casual basis. And now they say to him, and he told me this today, that they can't find a job at the moment. Oh. That's how swamped we are with foreigners. Yeah, well, this is this is crazy, isn't it? So yeah. we we wouldn't mind if it wasn't the implication wasn't affecting all of us, but it is. You just have to go on our roads. You can't rent. You know, I know people who are living with their parents because they can't lease, they can't rent anywhere. Yeah. You try and buy a house. Yeah. You know, everything. Get into a hospital, it's now 14 hours waiting an emergency. You can't get into a GP. I tried to get into a doctor. I have to wait to June for a specialist. Yeah. I mean, this is absurdity in this country, but it's because we are, there's never been any population planning. No. There's never been any incentive to decentralise. Everyone comes to Melbourne and Sydney. Yep. We haven't got the infrastructure. We've never had public servants who are paid so much money to actually think ahead. So no. we have. We should be putting a full stop to immigration until we can get this sorted. But sadly, it's votes and it's inflation help, you know, for the government. They don't give us stuff about no. what our lifestyle is. You know, it's becoming unlivable in Sydney. 
And yeah. I think it's becoming unlivable in a lot of the other major cities in Australia. Yeah, this this is a plan, a deliberate plan by Anthony Albanese to do what he has said he wants to do to those around him, which is have a Labor stronghold legacy for a generation. And yeah. this is the way to do it. This is That's how right. you do it. Um, They're all going to vote for him. Exactly. Can I, can I just keep you for five more minutes, Prue? I've got to get a news update, but I do want to talk about education and also uh, Oxford University's Word of the Year. We'll come back and talk about both those subjects after a news break on TNT Radio. News doesn't stop breaking, and we don't take a break from covering it. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Qatar has demanded the UN Security Council step in to end the bombing and suffering of civilians in Gaza. Three of America's most prestigious universities have come under fire after seemingly admitting allowing their students to call for the genocide of Jews, so long as it's within the right context. And the director of the FBI has warned the terror threat in the US has soared to an all-time high, saying he's never seen a time where so many threats are elevated at once. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Just back to Prue McSween for a second. This is important to international education rankings now and students throughout the world have fallen behind on reading and math during the pandemic, but Australian teens have managed to buck the trend. Results in math, science and reading have held steady since 2018, held steady, although Australian teenagers are almost two full academic years behind students who went to school in the early 2000s. That doesn't sound like it's good enough, Prue. It isn't. You know, the problem is 43% can't read to a minimum standard. This is how crazy. We're ranked 10th in the world by the OECD, but that's only because a lot of countries went backwards because of COVID. We all know you just have to talk to a teenager. You've got a couple, uh, although they're out of school now. But, mm. you know, they they can't add up. You go, I was in a shop the other day. The kid couldn't work out what the change was from $20. Uh, he had to get his calculator out because they're allowed to have it. You remember when we went to school, we're both dinosaurs, but you had to do one and one, you know, is two. two and Mental two arithmetic four. was prime. You had prime. to do it. By rote. It was the same with ABC and grammar and everything and all these newfangled education processes that have introduced the woke who, uh, you know, won't, you can't discipline kids in school, you can't, you know, you have to spoon feed them, you have to treat them with cotton wool and you don't teach them properly. You teach them all ridiculous feel-good crap. Mm. So sadly, we've got a generation of morons and I feel very sad for them because, you know, all they'll be doing, they'll be the serfs of the ser third world probably. I, I, I think you might terrifying. be right. Oh, it is. It is. Finally, Oxford University's word of the year is riz. What the hell is riz? Well, Smithy, you're not very trendy. No. It's a shortening of charisma. You've got Riz, charisma. I've got no charisma, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> Re really? I've never heard anyone say that. Because you're a dinosaur like me. Have you heard anyone say that, truthfully? If I did, I'd say, what the hell are you talking about? Is, isn't language supposed to be communication where you can understand each other? 
There's another word called fitspiration. It means a person or thing that serves as motivation for someone to sustain fitness and health. Fitspiration, Smithy. I, I want you to become fitspired. Fitspiration, right. I, I have gone back to the gym, I might add, but I don't feel any fitspiration when I'm there. Well, I think you need to try harder, mate. All right. <laughs> Get okay. with the riz. Riz. <laughs> get, get get a little bit of riz about you. Okay. okay. I'm feeling the vibe. Okay. No, that's old-fashioned. Vibe is very old-fashioned. Oh, is it? Okay. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Have Lovely a great day. Thanks, Smithy. Good on you. Prue McSween, Director and Founder of Verve Communications. A lot of stories happening. It doesn't matter which corner of the world you look at. But uh, at this stage, I thought what we would do is go to another corner of the world, that is the state of California. As a matter of fact, San Jose, where Alex Zaharoff Reut from techadvice.life is uh, waiting around for the AMD Advancing AI event. Some big announcements are expected. They're all on embargo at the moment, so we've got to be careful. Alex, come in. G'day, Chris. Great to see you. Good to see you. Thank you very much for what time is it there? 10, it's uh, 9.36 p.m. So 9:36. Um, it's yesterday, yesterday, yeah. <laughs> yes, I understand. Listen, the Game on Cancer giveaway uh, by Cure Cancer is holding its biggest charity gaming and entertainment giveaway right now until December 19. And there's $50,000 worth of prizes to be won. That's worth telling our listeners about. What's the entry price? Well, it's $50. Now, for $50, I mean, you can give whatever donation you want, but they'll give you uh, a, one of a stack of really cool prizes just for donating. Obviously, it's tax deductible as well. If you were to donate, say, $200, then you have four $50 you know, tickets to be able to win different prizes. Now, if I look at the list here, They've got uh, major brands like uh, Xbox, EA Games. Uh, they've got fifty thousand. They want to aim, aim fifty thousand. I think they'll aim a, a lot more than that. Uh, sorry, raise a lot more than that. There's Logitech, Turtle Beach, Nano Leaf, Bethesda, Twelve South, Satechi, uh, Outlaw Tech. A whole stack of you know different uh, companies who've donated prizes to really juice up those donations. So if you go to my website, TechAdvice.life, you'll see it on the front page there. You'll see how you can donate. Donations opened today. And uh, it's going to be uh, a, a great way to for gamers to help raise money for cancer. Okay, great cause. All right, let's talk social media. Will the repo men come to take X away from Elon Musk, Alex? Well, look, there has been concern that, uh, of course, Elon Musk had to take out a big multi-billion dollar loan. And with all of the different advertisers uh, leaving uh, X because of perceived anti-Semitism, even though mm. Elon Musk you know, went to Israel and spoke there. And Elon Musk, of course, famously, as we discussed, or as you discussed last week, he told advertisers to go F themselves uh, and he wouldn't be blackmailed with money. So analysts are, of course, now saying, well, if Elon Musk can't raise up enough money from advertising, uh, what is this going to mean? Will, you know, will he have enough money to pay off the interest? I mean, apparently it's uh, one... $0.2 billion a year in interest. It's a huge amount of money. He is charging for premium and premium plus, and he's going to be giving away Grok, the AI tool to premium plus users. But the BBC put out an interesting report with all these questions, and I've got links to all that. But uh, I don't think Elon Musk, I think he's playing a different game to what these analysts are talking about, and somehow it'll work out for him. You reckon it'll work out? I get the feeling from that last interview he gave where he said that they can go and get effed. Um, I got the feeling that he was being almost um what's the word uh accepting accepting 
of the fate of X. He was saying, yeah, well, we could go bust and I'll have to get rid of the whole lot. Um, who's, whose fault will that be? We know whose fault that will be. Um, sure. Look, oh, he, he is he is trying to turn X into the everything app. Now, in China, you have WeChat. They use that for online dating, for shopping, for selling real estate, for all those big sales. They have the Valentine's Day sales. You know, uh, PayPal um, has uh, – X has more users than PayPal, and PayPal makes all of its money as a financial institution. There's no advertising there. And uh, Elon Musk could easily turn X into another PayPal type of and organization. He's, and he's he hinted to- at that already, hasn't he? Absolutely. So yeah. there's plenty of ways to monetize a service, and I wouldn't put okay. it past Elon to have thought of a lot of these. I, I just think analysts, it's easy for them to, to clickbait, oh, yeah, he's going to go bankrupt. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Now, 50 companies, including IBM, Meta, and AMD, have launched the new AI Alliance. This is a community of leading technology developers and others to advance open, safe, and responsible AI. Um, now, you are going to be at this conference tomorrow, your time, but where's OpenAI and their chat GPT technology? Well, not on the list. They're not part of the 50 different companies, uh, which which includes AMD tomorrow, as uh, as you just said. And look, obviously, they're talking about all, they're saying all the right things. I mean, if I have a look at the article, I've, I've reprinted the uh, re- media release from, from Meta at my website, and they're talking about wanting to deploy and develop uh, benchmarks and evolution, evaluation standards. They want to responsibly advance the ecosystem of open foundation models, foster a vibrant AI hardware ecosystem, support global AI skills building, develop educational content, and launch initiatives initiatives that uh, you know explore use cases and, and do it all responsibly. So they're saying all the right things. I mean, government regulation is coming whether they want it or not. And uh, it's interesting that OpenAI, who is the leader in all this, the one that everyone else is trying to furiously copy, is not part of this standard. Whether they'll join later on, I don't know. But uh, we've heard a lot of AI council stuff from the UK, this government organi- you know, inquiries into it all. So this is just part of the great you know wave of everything AI. I mean, you know, one, this is the year of AI, and so I don't expect anything different than everything that we're currently seeing. Now, what can you tell us that's uh, kind of not under any embargo for tomorrow? Well, the short version is that obviously they'll be launching new hardware, and I think a lot of companies and a lot of people will be very uh, surprised and delighted, and it's going to make uh, competitors uh, quiver. So let's uh, see what all the announcements are tomorrow. I, honestly, I, you know, I'm not allowed to say, but uh, it's exciting. Okay. Now, even the hackers get surveyed nowadays, Alex. I find this quite amazing. Um, what are these fiendish nerds predicting will be the biggest cyber security worries for next year? Well, yeah, this was from NordVPN. And just quickly, by the way, I will have the full video of the AMD launch on my website tomorrow with the live stream that they'll be broadcasting and all the information. So just come to Tech Advice at Life. We'll cover it again in brief next week. But look, NordVPN puts out a survey in December. And yes, they have spoken to the hackers, which is quite interesting. And um, they're saying, there are five different uh, predictions there. The one is that leaked nudes will be trending on the dark web. So people are being hacked and their information is being stolen and used against them. AI will be there to help the hackers, but also, as we know, as we've spoken about before with uh, Norton and other uh, things like McAfee, using AI to help end users figure out whether the emails, the SMSs, the messages they're seeing lead to you know, potentially being hacked or not. There's also the number of amateur hackers that are growing. Uh, there's people looking online for ways to hack somebody's TikTok or other accounts, so you've got to be careful about that. Um, 
Customer data will be selling like hotcakes, they say, and biometric authentication won't be the answer. Just having a fingerprint. I mean, people are able to do deep fakes and and there's there's ways of getting around even biometrics with AI. Really? So there's some interesting, yeah, it, it really, I mean, look, people are using uh, copies of your voice to log in to your Centrelink or your banking systems that use voice as your authentication method. And, you know, with AI able to clone your voice, we've, we've, we've heard, uh, you know, there are a, a song generators that you can type in words and it sounds like Elvis or sounds like Drake or sounds like somebody, but they haven't sung it at all. We spoke recently, I think, about how YouTube is actually partnering with some of the singers to enable people to create songs in their voices, even though they're not actually singing their voice. So AI has been used to fool biometrics. I mean, we even saw in a James Bond movie, you know, many years ago, they, they copied somebody's iris and transplanted it and somehow broke into a system that was only meant to be used by the president. And that was science fiction. But AI is incredible, uh, and it's helping the bad guys and it's helping the good guys. Have a look at this article. There's plenty more there. We haven't got much time to go through all in detail, but uh, we're now getting predictions for the next year from hackers. Uh, you know, wonders will never cease. <laughs> wonders will never cease. Do, where do you find the phone numbers for these hackers? Is there a website that you go to saying Joe Bloggs in South Carolina is a an American hacker? You can call him on this number? Obviously, you can find them on the dark web. I mean, you can find all sorts of things on the dark web, but the hackers yeah. are there. And then, of course, you have the, the white hat hackers, the good hackers who actually penetrate uh, with permission of companies and banks and organizations to try and find the holes that need to be patched before the bad guys turn up. Obviously, if you can find hitmen and you can find other criminals, you can find hackers too. I personally have never contacted a hitman or, or, or you know, hackers, but <laughs> obviously people do all the time. It's out there. All right. So I spoke to find. Yes, exactly. I spoke to Prue a little earlier about the Oxford word of the year. Now, the Oxford and Cambridge dictionaries have come up with their words of the year. So, what's the new definition for the term authentic in the age of AI? So, well, this is from Merriam Webster. And what they're saying is that, you know, with artificial intelligence and deepfakes, there's a new flavor to things being authentically human, authentically created by living people as opposed to being uh, artificially generated by artificial intelligence. So you know, the, the word authentic is the word of the year for uh, Merriam-Webster, but for Cambridge, the word is hallucinate because we know that AI systems can make stuff up very confidently on the fly. And for Oxford, the word is prompt because when you type an instruction into an AI system to create this or create that or you know whatever it is you want the AI to do, the quality of the question of the prompt of the instruction and the detail of the instruction will determine how good the AI can do the job. It's like when you give an instruction to an assistant, if you don't give them all the details, sometimes they come back with what they thought you wanted, not what you wanted. And just like you have to tell people sometimes in detail what you want, it's the same with computers. And the old term from the 50s, garbage in, garbage out, well, I guess that's never been more appropriate. And authentic is going to not be the norm down the track if AI takes over the way we predict. That's right. And uh, that will give extra impetus to, I mean, already we see in an age of everything being, you know, created in Chinese factories or, you know, we've seen for a long time things were handmade, you know, natural made, human human designed and human created. So that's going to actually come back and be an important differentiator in a world where everything is made by AI. Can I still get something that is crafted by humans? It's just bizarre. I shouldn't laugh, though, because it could be awfully detrimental to our own safety. But anyway, uh, Alex, stay right where you are. Don't move a muscle. I want to get to a break. And then when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about electric vehicles and what AstraZeneca is now up to. 
they haven't run and hidden because of their harmful COVID vaccines or the harmful side effects of their vaccines. Um, they've decided to get back into inventing a new drug. Let's talk about that with Alex right after a break on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Facts matter. And the fact is that until the COVID-19 genetic therapy injections hit the scene, we didn't have thousands of young athletes dying in competition, in training, or home asleep in their beds. We didn't blame things like a previously undiagnosed genetic cardiac anomaly, or taking too cold a shower, or walking too briskly to class. And the fact is that it wasn't Israelis that kidnapped Palestinian Olympic athletes in Munich and murdered them. It wasn't Israelis that blew up nightclubs in Berlin and Indonesia. It wasn't Israelis that drove a truck through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin or shot up a Christmas market in Germany. It wasn't Israelis that stabbed to death festival goers in Stockholm. It wasn't Israelis that did these things. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, the facts about electric vehicles are not pretty, Alex, and I've been telling our listeners about this for some time. Sales are on the rise in Australia, according to the latest reports. But there are other reports that I mentioned on the program last week where EV cars are overstocked in car showrooms in the United States. So in the United States, demand is far less than supply. Look, absolutely. And there's a couple of conflicting reports. There's a report from October 2023 from Forbes. They're giving five reasons why EV car sales have slowed. Those are being unfamiliar, unfamiliarity with the product, lingering concerns about range, you know, range anxiety, a limited charging network, and also the wait times associated with waiting for a charging slot to come up. And then when all the charging spots are taken, the charging time is much longer than if there's very few cars there. And there's also early adopters already have all the EVs that they could possibly want and high interest rates. So that's from uh, Forbes. And there was a CNBC report as from earlier in October, just a couple of weeks in early October, saying that EV sales in the US have hit uh, record highs. But th th that conflicts with what I heard on Jason Olborn's program and also with you talking about how there is a glut. And in fact, USA Today has a report from November 14, a much so a more recent report, like a month old, not a couple of months old, on why people aren't buying EVs despite price cuts and tax rebates, which is obviously the story that Jason and you were talking about. Mm. But in Australia, EV sales have gone up. Um, there's a BYD. They're the number two behind Tesla in the world and also in Australia. And uh, they've actually been able to put a car out for $51,000 in Australia, undercutting Tesla by about $14,000. And uh, in, in Australia, electric car sales have reached 80446 at the time of publication, a rise of 30 
thousand over the same time last year. So I guess it depends where you are in the world. I mean, EV cars are here to stay, but you know, there's the problems of battery fires. We've seen those. BYD claims to have the world's safest battery because they segment it up in, in different ways and they have a whole big piece about that. And if you come to my site, I've got a, a very fascinating interview that I did with Luke Todd, the head of BYD in Australia last week, uh, talking about the New South Wales government rebate. They still have rebates in Australia, on which is ending at the end of this year. So conflicting news. Uh, people still love their petrol cars, but a lot of people are moving to EV cars, and I'm seeing ever more on the road, at least in Australia. All right. Now, we've put a hell of a lot of scrutiny on AstraZeneca since COVID-19 and during COVID-19. AstraZeneca now wants to build a cancer drug with the assistance of AI, thanks to a $247 million grant Let's hope it's vastly better than their harmful COVID vaccine, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the, they're under investigation. There's a lawsuit against them claiming that the COVID jab was defective. And, of course, we don't want to hear in a few years that there's another drug that's now safe and effective that people yeah. are taking and then they're getting heart attacks. But, look, there's a company called ABSCI, A-B-S-C-I, and they talk about creating drugs at the speed of AI, and they say that they're a generative AI drug creation company whose mission is to create better biologics for patients and do so faster. And they say that they want to create um, drugs that are not just like looking for a needle in a haystack, but create them in silico as opposed to like in vitro using generative AI. And uh, they, they're trying to find solutions you know, more precisely rather than the sort of the scattergun approach of, of trying a whole bunch of different substances and seeing what has an effect on somebody. So, look, I do have faith in AI. I mean, with, with everyone's talking about responsible AI. We haven't created Skynet or the Terminator yet, but the potential is there. If uh, an AI-assisted uh, drug, you know, has some side effect that we don't know about, it could affect a lot of people. And if we can't even do updates at uh, banks and phone companies correctly, you know, uh, and it takes yes. a whole network down, how many people could it take down if, if something goes yeah. wrong? So, Correct. look, it's good news, but but we have to take it, you know, all with a grain of salt. And AstraZeneca, of course, you know, unfortunately, their vaccine killed people. So, you know, let's be careful. Yeah, let's be careful, all right. Now, LG has launched LG with Optimism, which sounds all very positive and corporate. And they've collated a series of stories about musician-cum-swimming star Cody Simpson and Emma Carey, the inspirational author who fell 15,000 feet from the sky when her parachute failed to open properly. What is the purpose of LG with optimism, Alex? Well, look, obviously it's a brand refresh. They, you know, in a world full of crazy stories and, you know, wars and all the rest, it's actually refreshing to have a brand that's focusing on optimism. And yes, you know, Cody Simpson is the musician who was the boyfriend of uh, Marley Cyrus and he is now an aspiring uh, swimmer. He's an Olympian and uh, he's an LG ambassador. And then Emma Carey, of course, if you haven't heard her story, she fell from the sky, broke her back, couldn't walk, never thought she'd walk again. And obviously through all of those, uh, you know, hard work and learning how to walk again and all that sort of stuff, she's now an author and a a motivational speaker. And there was a great 45-minute uh, discussion on optimism and sticking with it and doing all the right things and um, with uh, a guy from Channel 7 and both Corey was there. He was on site uh, at the swimming camp and he was live on video and Emma was there. And it, there's a great video they can watch to see them talking about it and not giving up and the power of sticking with it and the power of optimism. And that's separate to the uh, LG launch. But I was also at their showroom and they gave a one hour sort of tour of their IT products, their information display products, giant wall size TVs, TVs that that bend and curve when you push a button so that when you're watching a movie or playing a game, you can see it. And they of course had these uh, clothes refreshes. It's like a dry cleaning machine, washing machines, dryers, 
uh, fridges, you know, that you, that you push a button, you can see inside the fridge without opening it, and uh, vacuum cleaners, and there's a one-hour video. So it's uh, the top story on my site. Have a look. It's um, but hang on, I, I hang, love on the story hang on, hang on, hang on. There is an exceptional idea. You can look at what's inside your refrigerator without opening it. Well, it saves every time you open the fridge. He explains it in the video. You cold air goes out, and it takes yeah. a while. For the fridge to cool it back down again. So if you can tap a button, see what's in the fridge, yeah. then you can open it quickly, grab what you've got to grab, and there's even a, there's even a second door. So you can actually open the first door, and inside it's still sealed. So you, you can open a smaller door inside, grab what you need, close it all very quickly, and, you know, you can also Love see it. what's in the fridge when you're at the shops. So if you, you want to remember if that bottle of milk is nearly finished or not, you can tap a button, see what's in the fridge whilst you're at the shops <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> and, and great. It is, and look, if you need your fridge to give you uh, AI advice on what to cook based on what's in your fridge, your fridge can do that too. If it's one of the ones that has the screen and internet connection and all that, so you know the, the smart home, the Jetsons, we're halfway there. We haven't got the flying cars quite yet, and Rosie the robot's still evolving. But we do have a lot of tech smarts, and uh, LG is one of the big companies, you know, along with Samsung and others that are really pushing. And you can see the latest and greatest. There's a one-hour video, and you can learn all about the story of Cody Simpson and Emma Carey at um, my website, techadvice.life. I can see myself, and, and listeners, uh, picture yourself walking down the aisle with the trolley in the supermarket. You look over at the maybe the cheese and, and uh, dairy section, and you're thinking to yourself, do I need cheese? How much milk have we got? Um, did the kids drink that milk last night? Then get your mobile phone, press a button so you can look what's in your fridge. Presto, voila, love it. That's the smart home on steroids in your oh, kitchen. <laughs> mate, I'm loving that. All right, Microsoft launches its incredible Seeing AI app on Android as well as a free app for blind people. Tell us about that. Yes, yes. This is an app that narrates the world for blind and low vision people, and it was available for iOS since 2017, but it's now come to Android. And this is in celebration of the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. It was last Friday. And so this is the newest version. It's powered by the latest advances in AI at Microsoft. They've obviously spent a lot of money with ChatGPT and doing a lot of work themselves with AI. And so it's now available on Android via the Google Play Store. It's free. You don't have to be blind or low vision to to you know use it or to try it. I mean, you can experiment with it. It's basically the you know the way that robots will see and understand things uh, in the future. You'll have a robot in the home, and it, it will use some sort of AI like this to to tell you what's in the fridge if you haven't got the fridge that has the camera inside of it. Uh, but uh, you've got richer descriptions in photos. They say, in addition to providing a brief summary of photos on the scene channel, you can now tap more info and a rich description will be generated, including far greater detail about what is in the image. You can also chat to your documents after scanning a document. You can talk to the document or the PDF to see what's inside it. It's like it's like turning the a document into a person that you can question. And the, 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 there are a couple of the features. And this is just the beginning of the AI magic that has, um, you know, slowly becoming more obvious to people that this is changing everything. Yeah, great stuff. All right, now I think I've got time for one more. ABC Australia has reported Australia's first moon rover has been named. Now, they held a competition to come up with the name, did they? They did. They had more than 8,000 submissions, and it's a very Australian name. In Australia, we call kangaroos the roo, you know? So this yep. is called the rover, the rover. Rover. <laughs> so it sort of reminds, sounds a bit like hoover. 
So uh, I'm sure it'll go around vacuuming up moon moon rocks and moon dust to be you know sent back to Earth and checked. But uh, it's expected to land in the South Pole region of the moon, according to the ABC, before spinning around 14 Earth days, a quick equal it says to about half of one moon day, collecting lunar soil known as uh, regolith. So look, we'll learn more about that when it happens. But uh, Australia's going to have its own moon rover. Incredible. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Fantastic. Fly the Aussie flag. As long as it has an Aussie flag or, or some sort of Aussie flag on it, I think it will, won't it? Uh, it'll have to. I have mean, everything, to. everyone that goes into space has the lapel, you know, with the flag. We see it in all the movies. So I'm sure there'll be an Aussie flag there. We've got to have it. Fantastic. Hey, fantastic to have you on the program all the way from uh, San... Is it San Jose? San Jose. I thought it was Santa Clara. That's where AMD is headquartered, but San Jose. It's, it's yeah. part of the heart of Silicon Valley. So great place to be. Loving it. All right, you get a good sleep and uh, wake up tomorrow for your AI experience and we'll speak with you next week, mate. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Bye, Chris. Good on you. Alex Zaharoff-Royt, and you can look at all that we spoke about on techadvice.life. I've got to get out of here. We'll come back and get together at the same time tomorrow on TNT Radio.